Good morning, good morning, and welcome to a beautiful Sunday morning out there. Isn't it a wonderful day? It might get a little hot and sticky, but we can live with that. It'll be good for your tomatoes trying to get ripe out there. So uh, uh, welcome to the services. Welcome to those of you who are joining online and those of you who are over on the other side. Uh, it's just good to have you all in. 
that in mind. If you are visiting for the first time, if you please stop by uh, the Visitor Center. We have a gift for you and want to welcome you officially. If you're joining online for the first time, sbtnd.org slash contacts. Let us know you're out there. Always an encouragement. Uh, so you have an opportunity for service. We need teachers. And we're looking for co-teachers. So coming in, so we have teachers two in a classroom at a time is what we prefer. Uh, that gives them an, obs an immediate substitute if we need one. Gives you a chance to learn if you say, I'm not really sure about how to do this. Uh, but it also then, if a kid needs to go to the restroom, whatever, it gives us an extra hand. So uh, we're looking for co-teachers in Sunday schools and in our, all of our children's ministries with the uh, children's churches. So see Pastor Brett or Rob Williams and uh, get signed up to help us out with that. That would be fantastic. Ice Cream Social is just around the corner. I believe it's two weeks from today. Is that correct? Yes? Okay. Uh, all right, two weeks from today. Now, listen, it's, it's, we, don't, we don't put it on there. It's like it's, it's assumed, I guess. It's homemade ice cream social. Not homemade brand. You know, you have to actually put it in a machine and make it homemade ice cream. Uh, so if you have one of those ice cream freezers, dig it out and fill it up with some ice cream, bring it. Uh, we'll, we'll go through about 20 or 25 gallons of homemade ice cream that day. It's always a fantastic time. It also coincides with another event coming up that we don't want to talk about, but uh, Pastor Andrew, if you did not already know this, Pastor Andrew and his family have accepted a position in Minnesota at a church in Minnesota. After 11 years here, yes, I know, I don't know where he's at, he's over there hiding, I mean over there, um, but uh, we're excited, the Lord has opened up a door for him, I mean what can you say, right, we're just proud as we can be of what God's done in his life. And of course, who wouldn't want Pastor Andrew working for them? And so somebody else did, and so he's going. And uh, anyway, it's an exciting time for him and his family, so just keep praying for that. We'll be celebrating that with the Ice Cream Social as well. There'll be a food truck there. Uh, we, you just, it starts about 3 o'clock in the afternoon with games and festivities. It just kind of goes all day. It's a great time. Good opportunity. If you play an instrument, kind of quasi-sing, you know, I, I sing in the shower, but nobody ever... Let me sing anyplace else. You can sing at the Ice Cream Social. We'd love to have you. It's just a fun time. We just enjoy it, so uh, be ready for that. Our missionaries of the week are the Godfreys. He is the vice president of BIMI and uh, oversees many of the missionaries there, so continue to pray as he's got a lot of uh, work in that effort to, to keep the missionaries you know, encouraged and going. He, they visit and they, they represent us, quite honestly, as they go and visit and make sure that the job is being done as it should be. And so it's a great opportunity. He's been here to speak a couple times. You've met him, and uh, he's always a joy. And then I have one other opportunity for a service for you. Uh, if you would like to help out, the, there's a nursing home where we minister. They have 150 employees that represent 50 children, and they've asked if we would help them with school supplies for those 50 children of their employees. So if you're interested in helping out with that, they already have backpacks. What we would be doing is filling the backpacks Notebooks, glue, pens, pencils, scissors, erasers, uh, note cards, folders, that kind of stuff. Uh, you can, uh, there's a, a plastic bucket that's going to be out there. You can put it there as you bring it in. Or if you would like to give money for someone else to go do the shopping, Bonnie Gebby and Beth Kravolka will be doing the shopping, so you can pass that on to them, and uh, that'll be a blessing. Let's have the men come forward. We're going to take up the morning offering and get ourselves started in worship. By the way, just in case you've ever wondered, um, you know, offerings are a part of worship, right? Just so you know, if you're visiting here, we don't ask you to come here to get your money. Quite honestly, God takes, it's God's church, right? And our money isn't the difference maker. It's just not. I'm being honest. God doesn't need us. We need him. 
uh, but he looks for reasons to bless us, and he blesses his children in their obedience. The Bible says this, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Am I know the rest of it? So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. God's just looking for a reason to bless us, and uh, so we, you know, we give that opportunity as part of worship. Well, I love you, Lord. I want to be faithful. Brother Randy, would you ask God's blessing on the offering and on the service and also on the Godfrey's, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you love us. You meet our every need. And Father, there are some needs that really need to be met today. Some folks are really hurting. So we lift those hurting ones up to you that you will just bless and give them a special touch. Encourage their hearts. And Father, these needs for backpacks and other needs, I pray that you will meet those needs according to your good and perfect will. And then, Father, the Godfreys, as they're ministering and encouraging, I pray that you will just bless them so nicely. And, Father, as we try to encourage people, help us to be encouragers to those that just need encouragement, those that need the Savior. Help us to reach out to them. Father, thank you for the Godfreys, and we just pray now that you will just bless them, their ministry, encourage their hearts. And, Father, as we give back to you this morning, Father, a portion of that which you have given to us, may it be used for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
Amen. Thank you, Caleb. We're going to be singing about that this morning, a wonderful Savior that we have. If you're able, please stand and let's join together in saying, He's a wonderful Savior to me. <clears throat> Lost in sin, but Jesus rescued me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. chapter 4 this morning, verses 1 through 10. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot, cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. May your hearts be sanctified by God's word this morning. You may be seated. 
Thank you, John. I think I got the, uh, the camp cold this week. So my voice like that. I'm fine now. Now it's just the wonderful allergy sinuses drain, so I apologize with the sound that you get. Maybe it's better than normal. I don't know. But uh, anyways, we'll make it through together. Keep singing about Jesus being wonderful. Isn't he wonderful? There's actually two more verses to that than our hymnals. We're going to sing all three verses of Isn't He Wonderful? Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? I have seen his We'll sing all the way through, and then we get to that end. We'll add that tag ending. Let's sing together. Surely, goodness and mercy. A pilgrim was I and a
questions overwhelm me, and I doubt God's power to save. When Satan seems to whisper, there is nothing but the grave, I call out to my Jesus for a vision of his face. Savior lifts my eyes to behold his saving grace. In Christ I stand forgiven, in Christ I stand redeemed, for through his resurrection death's chains are loosed from me. In Christ I stand victorious, in Christ I stand complete. Jesus rescued me on Calvary's cross, from my dead and paid the cost, and now I know, in Christ I stand. The shield of faith are our mind through Christ the Lord. In Christ I stand forgiven, in Christ I stand redeemed. For through his resurrection, death's chains are loose from me. In Christ I stand victorious. In Christ I stand complete. Jesus rescued me on Calvary's cross, saw my dead and paid the cost, and now I know in Christ I stand.
Thank you. I love that song. In Christ I stand. Take your Bible, turn to Ephesians, the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. And before uh, we get into the message this morning, let me just talk to you as a pastor to church. Can I do that? So I know uh, that uh, last week's announcement from Pastor Andrew is like, oh, that's, it is tough, right? It is. Uh, when, when, God, when God moves in ways that we don't fully understand, then uh, we, we have to do what? Trust him. We have to trust him. And here's what I know. God still loves Southeast Baptist Tabernacle, right? God still loves us here. He still loves our teenagers. God hasn't deserted anyone. He really has not. Uh, and so, how do you, so I asked the, the uh, interns this question. Not just the interns, but the interns and the pastors. We kind of get together and just kind of bounce things off of one another for fun. What... Pretend you're the senior pastor, and this is just taking place for you. What what do you do? And uh, so, I'm going to tell you the general consensus was replace Pastor Andrew. And I'm going to tell you that the answer I gave to them was you can never replace Pastor Andrew, right? You can't. That's the whole point. We couldn't replace Pastor Joe. Remember when we couldn't replace Pastor Joe? Some of you remember way back when, and we couldn't replace Pastor Joe. And if you try to do that, it's just it's a lesson in futility. So. What you do is you find someone who loves Jesus, loves people, loves the ministry, and if you have that in, in place, then God will develop them into what our needs are because God knows what our needs are before we ever know that we have the need, right? So God hasn't left us alone. He's just simply looking for an opportunity to grow us and to grow Andrew and his family and all of those kinds of things and, and you know, to... Uh, to go and grow the ministry that's there in Minnesota that they're going to go serve in, that God you know, has plans for all of those things. So, uh, you know, it's not a panic. It's just, you know, is, am I sad? Andrew's been here for 11 years, right? Uh, I've known Andrew since he was in grade school. So, uh, yes, uh, we're going to miss him. It's not like he's never going to be around, right? So uh, we just uh, have to trust the Lord during this time. So just set you at ease. It's not, it's not panic. It's just... Okay, what are we going to do? People have asked me, what are we going to do? People have asked me, do you have someone in mind? The answer is no. Um, you know, I mean, I've got a thousand someones that come to mind, but that doesn't mean anything at this point, right? So uh, it just is what it is. So just pray and let's just uh, see what the Lord has in store. And, and I want to say this carefully. I'll be the one to say it so it doesn't come across, well, it may still come across the wrong way, but this is not just exciting for Andrew and his family. They're excited about what the Lord has in store for them there. That doesn't mean that they're not sad to leave here. It just means that they anticipate that God's got some great things in store for them. And the reality is that's where we are too, right? It's not that we're sad, not sad to see them go. We are, but there's an excitement with it as well. God must be doing something, so let's just... Isn't it fun to watch, just to watch what God does? And so we get a chance to do that together, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. We're in Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, this message is not about any of that. Uh, I want to just make it practical about 
about what it means to follow the Lord here a little bit. And uh, so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you, that is everyone who's here who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior, right? You have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Father, as we look at this passage of Scripture together, God, may we grow in your grace through it. God, may we be challenged to follow you in stronger fashion, to, uh, to look to you for our strength and our hope and our help. And Father, we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Several songs have been written about this. Uh, several uh, Bible verses, in fact, I think it's 79 times that the, the Bible uses the phrase uh, in, of strangers, and about one-third of those times, it's talking about God's people. It's calling God's people strangers. Now, other people are strangers in the Bible, too, people who you don't know, but the concept when God applies it to his people, this is both Old and New Testament, is that we don't belong here. And one of our biggest problems in our Christian walk is we are too comfortable here. And this is where we want to, to live our lives, right? We, and we can't imagine anything but here. And yet the Bible wants us to get here out of our minds and start living for there. And that's a challenge. And so as we're walking through this, God, God has saved us and brought us together, putting us, and in, in verse 6 it says, made us sit together. Can, can somebody tell me in verse 6, read that phrase. He made us sit together. What is the tense of that sentence, of that phrase? Past. This isn't future. This is past tense. He has made us sit together where? In heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. The idea is that we're no longer here in this world, so to speak. I and mean, we are here, right? But we're pilgrims and strangers wandering through this barren land looking for the city whose builder and maker is God. And, and we get caught up in this life and in this world, and it's distracting us from what God has in store for us. And I want us to talk about that concept of following, of genuinely becoming, in our hearts and in our own understanding, pilgrims and strangers. So at... at um, and I apologize if I'm bringing this up... In, um, and it's causing anyone any hurt. But we had a funeral this week. You already know, DeAndre and Jaden's mom passed away. We had a funeral. And when I was sharing an opportunity that I had to talk to Lisa about her salvation, uh, we focused on identity, right, and what her identity was in Christ. Because she had gotten caught up. You know, you know that she kind of um, made a mess of her life. She had gone the way of the prodigal son and kind of made a mess. And so what, what, what happened is in her heart and mind, she got stuck in that identity, and she could not break away from the concept that she was guilty and, and 
to remember what her identity was in Christ. Now, she had trusted Christ her Savior at 16, and she had genuinely trusted Christ, and she knew she was a Christian, but she was stuck in this concept of, here's where I'm at, and she viewed herself differently. And so we had to work on just getting her to understand that she is, in God's eyes, his child, right? And once you get that identity down, that helps. But one of these concepts I want us to consider today is to identify ourselves, because this is what we don't do, to identify ourselves as strangers in a foreign land. As we are where we do not belong, and we look for that city whose builder and maker is God. And and that's what God is trying to get us to, to to understanding what it is to be be a stranger, uh, to not live with deep roots, where we are, right? And to not be deeply, not that doesn't mean you'll root yourself into your family or into your church. We want you to root yourself here and, you know, be a part of what's going on. That's, but it is literally saying that we don't get so attached to this that we quit looking for and living for that. Because God has literally taken us out of this and put us in heavenly places right now. Past tense. We're already there. We don't belong in this world. Have you ever felt like you don't belong? And literally, God's challenging us to live that way every day, to, to live as if, yes, I'm going I'm to joyfully do what God has called me to do here, but with in mind that there's something much better in store, and that's what I'm looking for, that's what I'm living for, that's what I'm hoping for, and once that becomes a way of life for me, it changes the way I live this life. And that's what's being challenged for us here in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's keep going. Uh, it goes, goes down to verse uh, 8. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not going to work ourselves to heaven. We're going to have a baptism this morning. This baptism is not going to put that person into heaven. They're going to go to heaven because they place their faith and trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. Right? It's not by works. And yet, at the same time, we want, to be, we want our lives to be productive. We want our lives to be, to be a life of work. Why? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So that our lives then point people toward Christ. As long as we're living in this world, and this world is, is where our identity is, As long as we're living as a part of this world, it's going to be difficult for us to be the light set on a hill that shines its light to everyone around. We're going to be down in the in the uh, valley, and we're going to be kind of just our light's going to be lost in the minutia of everything. God's desire is that we live as pilgrims and as strangers, wandering through this foreign land of ours that we're in, not by works, lest any man should boast. Verse ten. For we are his workmanship. Now I want you to see verse 10. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. So we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Through the grace of God we are are made alive. And now we live in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that we might do good works with which God which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. God wants us to do the work. He just wants us to do the work for the right reason. 
So over in chapter, in verse 8 and verse 8, 9, 10 there, uh, those people got caught up in the concept of good works to try to buy God's grace. By grace you save through faith, and that not of yourselves. Gift of God, not of works. And they're out there saying, okay, I'll do these good works so that uh, you know, I can get something from God for it. I'll do these, and, and we're, we're missing the point of Ephesians chapter 2, which is we were once here, and now we are in heavenly places in Christ, called to live life with his, his plan in view, his purposes in view, to live a life that is greater than. So it's literally ca- getting caught up in something that is greater than us, right? It is not, I mean, it's greater than the sum of us. If we summed all of us together, God's plan is greater than that. We, we look for a city whose builder and maker is God. Nothing that man can do. And yet, we are through this called to do good works. So let's keep going. I'm going to get to uh, the main point, which is, we're just, all this is introduction, so you'll be glad to know that. Um, uh, wherefore, he says, that ye, being in times past in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision, that which, that which is, by that which is called the circumcision of the flesh made by hands, that in time, that at that time were, I'm sorry, that at that time ye were without Christ, being, what's the word? Aliens. Now, wait a minute. I thought we're supposed to be aliens, Pastor John. We're supposed to be trained. Yes, listen up. Now he's talking about the Christian life. Without Christ, Christianity is alien. In Christ, this world is alien. It's a change of perspective. We need to recognize our identity. Our identity in Christ is in heavenly places, not on things of the earth. And we are... We are in a situation in, in our time in history where the church has gotten so wrapped up in the world that it's hard to, to make a distinction. And our works are no longer shining before men that they might see the Father. We're, we're missing something. Because we've found our identity in the things of this world. As if worldly successes are going to lead us somewhere. And I'm not against worldly successes. I, I mean, look at the Bible. It's full of people who were, who were godly and successful in the world's eyes. Daniel, Joseph, David, Solomon, right? Godly, yet, you know, they, they were successful in the world's eyes. I'm, I'm not suggesting that worldly successes are bad. I am suggesting that worldly successes as a goal is bad. That we ought to be living for things greater than what this world has to offer. Can we remember that the great, the great temptation that the devil threw before Jesus was, bow before me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. I mean, that, that was one of the great temptations that the devil throws before, in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's not new. It's something that the, the devil has been doing consistently, trying to draw God's people away from the greater to the lesser. And we get caught up in this life. So let's keep going. We want to do good works. We want to do them for the right reason. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh, near, by the blood of Christ. So we used to be away from God, afar off. Right? No, no longer. Now we're in heavenly places. We now have a new identity, and that identity says, 
I am not of this world. I mean, literally, if we, if we could think about this in terms of like a birth certificate, God doesn't give us a, a physical birth certificate to hang on to. But, you know, your birth certificate tells you your identity as the world's perspective, right? I'm a U.S. citizen. I was born here. I was born in Indiana, so I'm a Hoosier. I was born in southern Indiana, so I'm part Kentuckian. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm just, you know, but you, you get the idea. I mean, it's, that, that gives us our identity. You read it. It's on there. But if God were to give us a physical birth certificate for our second birth, for our birth in Christ, it would show as our place of residence and as our place of birth and our place of citizenship heavenly places, not this earth. And I'm amazed how quickly we embrace our earthly identity, but we leave our heavenly identity off to the side. God wants us to live with that heavenly identity in place. Now we're made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 19 says this, Now therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners from God, but fellow citizens and saints with, or with the saints of the household of God. I mean, think about that. I'm a child of God. I'm of the household of God. Everything has changed. Um, have you ever... Maybe you've said this to your kids, or maybe your parents said it to you, you know, as you're getting ready to go someplace, and your parents, especially when you're a teenager, your parents say, don't remember who you are. Don't embarrass the family, right? Remember who you are, and don't embarrass the family. Uh, well, okay. I, you know, God's saying this, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Because we're not of this world. And people are looking at us to see about this God of ours. They're trying to decide, am I going to follow Jesus? And they're not deciding it based on this sermon today. They're deciding it based on what they see in your life and mine. They're deciding it by how nice we were uh, when you know, our grocery carts ran into each other. Have you ever gotten behind that person who likes to keep their grocery cart right in the middle of the aisle? <laughs> if that's one of you, then do me a favor, would you? Uh, <laughs> You know, but whether you realize it or not, the person standing there in the middle, they can hear your little uh, snide whispers behind. And later on when you say, here, come visit our church, they're like, over my dead body. You, you understand? Because they've seen our works, and they failed to glorify our Father, which was in heaven. I used to say, Pastor John, that's silly. I, you, it may sound silly. You'd be surprised. You would be shocked how people look to Christians to judge Christianity, to judge salvation, to judge our Savior. Here's what the Bible says. Ye are an epistle. No, you are our epistle, I'm sorry. Known and read of all men. That's what the Bible says. You're the letter. You're the letter from God, known and read of all men. Everybody who you know, they know, they know Jesus by what they're seeing in your life. What's, what, what does your letter read like? Right? That's the question. And, and what happens is we get caught up in this world. We get caught up with living here, and we're living with, with petty views in mind. And, and it's more important that we get what we want over here because we're, we've, we've ceased to live in view of the city whose builder and maker is God. And, and we've misunderstood what it means to have one time been a not, a, an alien and a far off, but now made nigh through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so God wants us to live in that made nigh concept, 
That's where God wants us to stay. So we're no longer strangers and foreigners, but citizens and saints with the saints of the household of God. Hebrews chapter 13. Now, that was all the introduction. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going we're gonna to focus on Hebrews chapter 11, and these are going to be my three points, all right? So three points in a poem, we're done. Uh, you know, I'm just kidding. That's the old joke, but uh, it, it kind of is that. Uh, that's all introduction. We are not of this world. We were once aliens to, to God. Now we're alive and vibrant in God, in Christ. And we were once far off. Now we're nigh, and we're supposed to live differently. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 says this. These all died, and we're jumping into the middle of it, but uh, you can go back and read the passage. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Listen to what it says. But having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Pastor, how do I get to the place where I see myself as a stranger and a pilgrim? How do I get to the place where I'm living this life with heaven in mind, with eternity in view, instead of living this life with just this life in view? How can I, how can I make that happen? Well, we, we've got to walk ourselves through this verse, all right? It starts out, they says the promises, they've, they've seen them afar off. And this is, this is part of our problem, teenagers, is because everybody keeps telling us what it's going to be like. That's what that's the whole of the Christian life is what it's going to be like. And nobody likes to live that way, right? Especially in a world of instant. Uh, it you know, cracks me up. You know, will somebody be, this, is just, this will show you the differences between generations, right? Uh, so you know, somebody will say, hey, pastor, um, you know, who wrote this book? Or hey, pastor, uh, you know, do, you, uh, do, you, do you have something to say about this particular subject? And my, my initial reaction is to turn to my library and start looking through the books. And while I'm doing that, they're on their phones. And they're like, Pastor, I can already tell you who wrote the book, what page the answer's on. You know, before I ever find the book, they've got it there. It's like, we live in an instant society. Everything comes instantly. So then when you say to people, we need to live with eternity in view, you're literally saying, I want you to get up every day and live for something that you're probably never going to see on this life in this life. And that's a hard sell. I'm just telling you honestly, in the world in which we live, where everything becomes instant, it's hard to get people to live with the long view in mind. Right? It just is. Uh, retirement is one of those things. We need to live with the long view in mind for retirement because otherwise you're, you're going to be in trouble when you're not going to get there. Right? It's, you're going to be ready to retire and you're not going to be ready to retire. And that's the problem. It's the long view. And so... We, we've, we're, we're asking you to consider the promises that are afar off. It says they receive the promises, that having not received the promise, I'm sorry, but they're far off. So we're asking you to live every day with this in mind. God may come back today. Do you believe that? Do you believe it really? Seriously? Now if I said God can come back, I agree with you. When I say God may come back, Okay, that's a little stronger. What if I said, it's likely God's going to come back today? You believe that? <laughs> you know why we say, wait a minute, I don't really believe that? I mean, we wouldn't say that out loud, because, but what we think is I don't really believe Because it's, the fact that God might come back today isn't changing the way we live. 
We're not living in light of that. And that's a challenge for us, right? It is difficult for us to, to grab hold of a promise that we can only see afar off. And that's part of living with this concept in mind, that we're strangers and pilgrims. We don't belong here. We don't belong here. Um, so, you know, the, 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 there's an old, I think it's Genesis chapter 19, where there's a, like a sermon outline for Lot, right? So Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, then he was outside the gates of Sodom, and then he was inside Sodom, and he just kept getting, he, he, he became more and more comfortable with Sodom. And that's the way we're living our Christianity, you know, is that we're just, you know, we, we get saved and we're over here, and then we kind of pitch our tent toward and then we kind of settle in, and before you know it, we're ingrained in the things of this world. And the concept of living with the future in mind, the promises are far off, that's hard. So the first step here is that I must first, I've got to recognize what the promises are, right? I'm never going to get to heaven in this life. Now, I can have heavenly places in this life. We're there now. I can have joy and peace and, and, and contentment. And that's... That's mine in Christ. If I'm willing to embrace the Christian walk, I can have that in this life. But I'm not going to have heaven in this life. I'm supposed to live with heaven in view, but I'm going... We are like Abraham, more than what we want to think about, right? Abraham was called by God to leave his hometown and to go to a place that God was going to show him. And God simply said to Abraham, just keep walking. When you get there, I'll let you know. And Abraham died in his steps. But he, he never got, his son never got to see. His grandson never got to enter into the promised land. It was hundreds of years later before the children of Israel entered into the place that God had for them. Right? That's the Christian walk. And it's a challenge for us. But it goes on. It says not only did they see them, but that's the next step. They were persuaded of them and embraced them. That's two things there. They were persuaded of them and embraced them. That's, that's where we got to get to. This is the hard part. I am convinced that, yes, Christ might come back today. Now I need to embrace them. I, I, I'm persuaded of them. I believe that there's a heaven, Pastor John. I believe that we're going there someday in Christ. But now I need to embrace that as my reality. It's, it's, you know, it's literally where Lisa was in her identity. She had gotten stuck over here, and she viewed herself as a prisoner, and she viewed herself as a sinner, and as someone who had messed up her life. And, but in Christ, she was a child of God, forgiven, able to walk the way God would have her to walk. And so she had, she had to not only be persuaded, but then embrace the concept We've got to reach this place, Christian, where we say, I, I, I believe these things to be true, but I'm going to embrace them, meaning I'm going to actually live by them. I'm going to make them a part of how I make my decisions. Now, you've got to be careful, right? And back in the day, um, I got saved in the 70s, and, and we were sending missionaries out left and right, and we were convinced that the Lord was going to come back soon. So we didn't give the missionaries any plans for their lives. 30 years on the mission field, and now they're nearing 80, and they're trying to figure out how they're supposed to get off the mission field and still survive, right? Because we didn't set up a plan because 
The Lord was going to come back. And so I'm saying, I understand that, you know, we've got to be realistic about this, but we want to live with eternity in view. It means that we not, not only are persuaded of the truth, we've got to be so persuaded that we embrace the truth, that it becomes our reality. Do you know that you are in Christ? And that in Christ you can already have heavenly places. You can already have a peace that passes understanding, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can already know what it is to have God answer your prayers and to, to know what it is to walk close. That's, that's the lifetime reality. And then we live with the promises of far off allowing us to, to impact us in such a way that we make decisions based on them. So that when I have a choice to make, my choice is to honor and glorify God over choosing something that the world has to offer because I know that one day I'm going to stand before that God. And I've embraced what I believe. I've allowed what I believe to become a part of my decision-making, to become a part of what I'm doing with my life. So, you know, when I say, I love Jesus and I'm going to honor Jesus with my life, so I'm going to marry someone who's going to love Jesus and honor Jesus with their life, right? I mean, it, it, all of a sudden it impacts my decision-making. And we choose our careers based on what would honor Jesus and, and bring glory to him. Because I'm choosing now. I've, I've not only, I not only agree, I'm, not, I'm persuaded of them, I believe them, but I've embraced the truth in such a way that now, you know, I, I'm, I'm living by it. I'm following it. And it brings us to the last thing, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And that's, that's how we get to that point. We, we become persuaded of them, we embrace them, and then we agree with God, this is who I am. You see, um, sometimes kids, especially teenagers sometimes, they want to uh, separate themselves from the family, right? They, they don't want to be a part of the family. They go, they, they go through this time. If you don't have teenagers yet, don't panic. It'll, they'll get past it. But, you know, it's like, you know, I wish so-and-so was my parents. You know, I wish I didn't have this or whatever. You know, they're like that. And it's like, I don't want to be a part of it. But here's the reality. They can't deny you. You ever notice that? They look like you. They act like you. They talk like you. My kids are adopted. People say to me, I, I'm not making this up. People say to me, you and JD talk alike and walk alike. I'm like, I think I walk like everybody else. I, don't you put one foot in front of the other? It's we hop, right? It's not, it's, we just walk like everybody else. But they're like, J.D. walks just like you. I've had, I'm not kidding. I bet I've had 15, 20 people say, I'm like, how do I walk? I look at J.D., how does he walk? I don't know. Do we walk different? I don't know. People say we talk. We're, we're not, you know, genetically related. You understand that? But people, he can't deny that I'm his dad. It's, I'm sorry, J.D., wherever you might be out there. It just is what it is. So it's like, I can't help it. That's where we are. We, you know, the, the teenagers, like, sometimes they, they don't want to agree with this concept, but they can't get away from it. That's where we need to become as Christians, where we finally agree with God that the identity he's put upon us is the identity that we are, pilgrims and strangers, wandering through this land. Because this land is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Right? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the we, we get that, right? So that's that's the concept. And it starts in Ephesians chapter two where God says, We're not we're no longer like we were. We're out of the we're we're no longer strangers to God. 
We're, we're, on, we're over here, and we're in heavenly places, and it's time we embrace the life that God has called us to. Um, sometimes. We, have you ever set a goal that just is unrealistically your own? You know, it's like, and your kids come in and say, Dad, I'm going to fill in the blank. Uh, back, I grew up in the days of cowboys, and it's politically incorrect for me to say what I'm about to say, but cowboys and Indians and, and uh, army. We would play army for all... And so, you know, and I would say to my dad and mom, I'm going to be a cowboy. And they kind of laugh. You know, I mean, can you become a cowboy by being raised in central Indiana? I suppose you could. You know, is the likelihood of it there? Probably not, especially since you're, you know, the only animals we ever owned was a dog. You know, and we did ride the dog every now and again, but it was never going to make a cowboy of us, right? And so they'd look at us and think, you know, you've you got to realize who you are, John. They didn't say that. This is what they're thinking. You've got to embrace your identity. You're probably not going to be a cowboy. And, and the reality is sometimes we, we resist what God has for us. But we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. And we're heading toward that city, like it or not at this point, in Christ. That's where we're heading. And the sooner we embrace that, the sooner we become that in our own mind, that we agree with God that this is our role the sooner we find all the heavenly places in this life that God wants for us, that joy and peace and all those things that he wants for us. It's a different mentality. We've we got to figure it out, right? We've got to figure out how to walk differently than we walked before. Before we were aliens with, from God. Now we're aliens here. And we, we need to walk differently. Called to good works, doing good works for the right reason. Here's the poem, and I'll give it to you, and we're done. Isn't isn't. I, I, I laughingly say this is an old song. It wasn't around when I was born. Let's put it that way. All right? But if it has been around since longer than I've been your pastor, and so at least it's 32 years old. I have no idea how old the song is, but it's at least 32 years old. And the song says this. We're pilgrims on the journey of a narrow road, and those who've gone before us line the way. This is Hebrews chapter 11, lining the way in chapter 12. Seeing as we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, right? Cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. I'm trying to give you a reason for doing this. Mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa. A reason to become a stranger and an alien and a pilgrim. Because all of those coming behind us are watching. Sometimes it's the lady at the grocery store. Sometimes it's our grandkids. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the power of thy devotion light. I'm sorry, not that. May the, what is it is? How's it go? Of our devotion light the way, right? Light the way. May the, may the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. It's important. People are watching. We've got to quit living for this world. 
Because this world, do you believe this? Is not our home. And when we believe it, it changes the way we live. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. Christian, how you living? Christian, people are reading the gospel we're writing, the lives that our gospel, or the gospel that our lives are putting forth. They're looking at the works that we're doing, and the good works are pointing them to Jesus, and the other works are pulling them away. We've got to quit living for this world. We're strangers and we're pilgrims. The sooner we identify with Christ, identify with heavenly places, the sooner we read our birth certificate to be heavenly places, citizens of heaven, the sooner we agree with God that we're pilgrims and strangers, the more powerful our testimony becomes. Pastor John, I have to be honest. I've gotten caught up in this world. The truth is, Pastor, I, I seldom consider the things of God in making a decision. I seldom consider the things of God in choosing how I'm going to answer a question and how I'm going to react to someone. Pastor, I want my life to make a difference. I want to live with my heavenly home in view. I want to let go of the things of this world so that I might live for a greater world that is to come. Pastor, I need to see not just the promises are far off, but I need to embrace them and to believe them and to agree with God on what that means with my walk. Pastor, God spoke in my heart this morning. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Maybe there's someone here that says, Pastor John, I'm not even certain I'm a Christian. You're talking about Christians and living their lives a certain way, but Pastor, the truth is, if I died today, I'm not certain I'd go to heaven. I'm concerned about my soul, about where I would spend eternity. I've got some wonderful news for you. If that's where you are this morning, there's a God in heaven who loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for your sins and for mine. To make it possible for us to have our sin debt forgiven and to stand, as the song that they sang this morning, to stand in Christ forgiven. In Christ I stand redeemed. That we can stand before God as if we had never sinned in Christ. That he will pull us from being alienated and afar from God to being nigh to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right now, right where you're sitting, if you don't know that you're on your way to heaven, you can put your faith, your confidence, your trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for your sins. And a God who cannot lie will keep his promise. He will keep it. You say, Pastor John, that's where I'm at. I'm not certain. Would you trust Christ this morning? Would you, by faith, Accept his promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Lord, please forgive me my sins and save me. And a God who cannot lie will keep his promise. If you did that sitting here this morning, while sitting here you did that, would you just look up at me for just a moment and make eye contact with me so I can see that? Did you mean that? God's not a liar. He keeps his promise. Amen. Anyone else? Those promises may seem afar off, but now they are your reality. Anyone else? Amen. Father, thank you for 
to many tender hearts that have gone up. Lord, help us to follow you and to walk uh, in you. God, I thank you for this one who's trusted your son today as Savior and helped them to grow in, in your grace and to what it means to be a Christian. I pray that you would strengthen them in that. God, may we know your power in our lives and may people see in the good works that you are doing in us and through us your love for them and may you be glorified and father we'll thank and praise you in jesus name we pray amen you may look this way uh, we're not having an invitation this morning because i forgot almost that we have a baptism i didn't forget but i was just watching the clock and i spent too much time talking watching the clock uh, so the invitation is open to you, though. If you'd like to talk to someone at the close of the service, we'll be around, and please do so. If you trusted Christ this morning, we would be honored to share a uh, packet of material with you and a Bible and let you know what it means to be uh, a Christian. So uh, Pastor Andrew's going to come lead us in a couple. I think it's Pastor Andrew. Yes, it is. Lead us in a couple of songs, and I'm going to get ready for baptism. All right, you can, uh, <coughs> wow, <coughs> maybe. Uh, you can stay seated, and uh, we'll sing together, Trust and Obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear. While we trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Nor a loss, not a frown, nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Carter, up here, Miss Ava, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. And if you die right now, do you know you go to heaven? Yes. Amen. I'm going to move you to this step over here. So that we can go the right direction. Miss Ava, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, don't you know? I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Bear with him in baptism and likeness of his death. Raise with him to walk in newness of life. Can everybody? <laughs>
Amen. Let's all stand. We'll let you be dismissed. Make sure that you fellowship on your way out. Shake somebody's hand. Find someone whose first name you do not know, all right? On your way out, you have an assignment. And shake their hand. Now, listen, here's the way it works. Sometimes it's like, I should know their name, but I don't. So let's just share names with everybody you shake hands with, right? If you shake someone's hand, just tell them your first name, even if it's your son. Just, you know, he might have forgotten, you know, whatever. So, all right? The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. God bless you. You are dismissed.